This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. First the Tigers, then the Lions and now the Swans from Wales. Luke Cundall managed to put us ahead against a former side that is the opposition who are swanning off back to Wales with all three points. Which also coincided with our first loss at home after taking the lead since January 2022. So in regards to home games, it's pretty much a novelty. Uh, full disclosure from me, haven't seen this one, been a bit busy uh, with life things right in the way. So if the questions seem a bit more bog standard than usual, that's because they are. After a series of poor pod performances, and mainly because they're unavailable, I've rung the changes and brought in some big names off the bench to freshen up things to give some much needed minutes into some new and old voices. So joining me tonight are Graham. How are you? Fine, thank you. Still getting over the two defeats in a week. Yeah, I'm sure we'll touch. I think we might talk about football at some point tonight, so um, might touch on those. Um, We'll just call you Ben. How are you, Ben? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, Starting to try and recover from the weekend. I was was expecting that a little more than the the midweek hammering uh, by Millwall. It was uh, the real snatch and grab and... um, very disappointing. So I, I was kind of expecting Saturday a little more, but disappointing nevertheless. After, like you say, after taking the lead, that's normally at home uh, a good sign. But um, yeah, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, not to be. The the face of one team in Devon. James, evening, mate. How's things? Evening. Uh, reeling from my first two home games of the season being uh, the, the, the days that Home Park was, Fortress Home Park was breached. Yeah, maybe you're the bad omen then. Maybe we should get you gone. I'm the curse. And then if if you've stuck around long enough, you'll recognise this voice. Um, Green and white podcast royalty. Nick, how are you? Good to be back. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Everyone seems quite down. I'm I'm still not that that down about our girl. Um, I'm I'm still quite optimistic about the season. As as I've been relentlessly lecturing Sam, we're going to have like bad periods as long as. As long as we're still safe by the end of the season, I'm, that's that's all fine. I've got low expectations, not in a bad way, just like I've set the bar low and everything above that is very enjoyable and positive. 
like my Tinder dating profile, just low expectations. It always it always comes through. Um, first mention of Sam tonight. I'm sure Ben. I think you'll have uh, something to say on ben, um, Sam's previous uh, opinions later on. But um, Graham, why don't you run us through the the defeat to Swansea first? Well, first half, I thought we played pretty well, and as you say, we scored first, and that normally means at least a point, if not three. In fact, I think. It's a 92.5% chance of either winning or drawing if you score first at home. It wasn't to be, and I think partly because Ryan Hardy had two really good chances, which, to be fair, were really well saved by Rushworth, the Brighton keeper. Um, Ironically, the goal that was scored was from Ryan Hardy running down the right-hand side. I thought he, he might have been offside, possibly, again. But um, hit the shot across and ironically was palmed straight into the path of Luke Hundle, who just neatly tucked it away. It's somewhat ironic when some fans have been criticising our keeper for doing the same. So a touch of irony there. Second half, I think Swansea up their game. They got a grip in midfield. We didn't win the second balls or the challenges. And slowly but surely they got in back in the game. And then their goal was a bit of a shocker, to be honest, because it was a Floated ball to beyond the far post, which McCauley Gillespie got the wrong side of the guy. He headed it high up and uh, the guy got to the ball before um, um, Dan Scar did and just bundled it in. And it was a sloppy, horrible goal. And it rather changed the mood. And I think Swansea got a bit of confidence from it. Up their game again and then um, got the second, which... Again, wasn't a brilliant goal from uh, our point of view. Um, and then the third goal was possibly a foul on Joe, Joe Edwards, a bit of a shoulder barge, possibly could have been a foul. <clears throat> and then a really fast-paced breakaway where our friend from Exeter, Josh Key, uh, put it through, it seemed to go through Connor Hazard rather than anything else. But it wasn't the smash and grab of uh, Millwall, but uh, I think second half Swansea probably deserved to edge it. But if we don't take our chances, as, I mean, Hardy was a bit unlucky. Mumba missed a chance in the six-yard box. Um, we overhit a couple of crosses in good positions. So I thought we played well, but like many games this season, playing well is not a key to necessarily getting the result. Yeah, I thought the first half was very even. Obviously, when you're in the crowd, it, you, you're quite partisan, so you don't necessarily see it as passionately. But I thought the first half was very even. And in the second half, much like Millwall, I think the team talks at halftime must have been been different from both managers. And, and the second half was a different game. There were two games of two halves. And in the first half, um, the pace was very, I wouldn't say frantic, because there was quite a lot of control. But the, the both midfields were competing and winning the ball back. Um, very well. There needed to be a lot of precision in the passing. The second half, especially after the first Swansea goal went in, there seemed to be a real lack of confidence in the midfield and the competition to to get the ball back. Swansea seemed to to have everything in the middle, and and you could feel that in the crowd. Um, there was sort of there was a nervous tension around Home Park, which I don't think I've felt for for a long time, and it seemed inevitable. Um, 
I think we've if you've played football, you've all been in a five aside or a seven aside or an eleven aside game where sometimes the ball just doesn't drop your way. All the 50-50s seem to go against you. Um, and sometimes it just happens, but that seems to have been two second halves in a row where that's kind of happening. You you got to wonder maybe if that's a little bit. I mean, the second goal, I think, the second Swansea goal sort of is indicative of that. You know, the, the he picks up the ball. And there's about 10 yards of space all the way around him. And no one sort of comes out to him. I think in the end, Scar does. Edwards sort of has his back to the play. If he'd, if he'd seen it, he might have sort of pressed harder. He had 10 yards of space and opened up and took the shot. You know, he bought a ticket and, and he won. Um, and that seemed to be the theme of the second half. And ironically, Mumba was, seemed to be the only player in the second half who was playing with the same commitment and confidence as he had in the first half. And, and he was taken off early on uh, and Miller did okay when he came on he added something different um stretched the pitch a bit more but um that seemed a strange decision of itself if it worked out then um uh you know you, you say what a great substitution Shuey's back to his his magical best of game management and in-game tactics adjustment but um it didn't come off so yeah it, it's a bit more worrying I think the the confidence what seemed to be a confidence issue amongst the squad in the second half heads dropping a little maybe that might just be down to to Swansea outplaying you if you look at the the ratings I'd be interested to know what the the Argyle ratings were in the first half compared to the second half but certainly the end of the game um you know Swansea had you know all over the pitch their their ratings for key performance indicators um certainly that the lack of mistakes were much higher than Argyle's and I think that's where um, the second half turned. I think there was more decisiveness and more command from from Swansea. A few people online said uh, Jack Leslie, a regular uh, contributor from Twitter, says um, for me, Shuey is being tactically outwitted at halftime. How many games this season have we played so well in the first half and then come out in the second and look completely lost? Robert Searle says, I don't know what's being said at halftime, but it certainly isn't working. I've got to look laboured and often slow in thought and action. The championship is a step up. It's quicker, so they have to do that. And more J-Poff, we'll go with that, uh, need to sort out second-half performances or we're going down. John Biggs' decision-making in the final third needs to get better, not a million miles away, but we're just we're being close to being dragged into a relegation battle. Lewin Reed says, in, since the international break, it's been relegation form other than a lucky blip against Norwich. We need to stick to the back three, stop messing around. I'm sure we'll get onto formations in a bit. And then I'm going to butcher this one. Hemerudden Gills says, uh, simply put, we're beaten by the better team today. Let's not panic. Uh, Nick, I know that you're not in the mood for panic yet. It's too early, isn't it? Or is it? Yeah, no, no, no panic yet, in my opinion. I suppose that's mostly because I have to deal with Sam all the time. And like, this, this is a guy who, when Norwich pulled one back, started to shake. When Norwich pulled two back, he was already labelling as the greatest collapse of all time. When, what, there was about 10 minutes left and we had a four-goal lead. I mean, at the very least, we were coming away with a point. I, I think the, the, the Shuey comments are interesting as well. Because have all the second halves been that... I, I think the way to look at it is, last season, you look at how many times we... We were we were the side who had turned it around late on. We applied the pressure and we got that clinching goal. And how often was that related to a tactical change, a predominantly a substitute change, substitutes coming off the bench and scoring? Who's coming off the bench right now to do that for us? You look at most of the other sides, they've got much more depth on their bench. They've got higher quality on their bench. You know, other teams are more able to do that. They, If you watch most football games, or at least 
I, I find it in quite a lot of them. You'll see that a team spends a while trying to suss out an opposition, you know, try and work out how it is they work and how they can adapt to it. We did a lot of that very well last season. We haven't been able to do it as much this season. We've seen a lot of teams start to do it to us, work out how to play that way. Like one of the downsides to the three four three is, and and what the reason why I think we transitioned to four three three in the summer is that your midfield can really get overrun by higher quality sides. We saw that a lot away from home last year, and we've seen that a couple of times. Even like you look at Norwich's first goal, it's just a pinpoint ball through the middle of our midfield, attack midfielder turns and then plays a lovely through ball and finish. Swansea's second, ultimately their winning goal is a player quickly, it was it Grimes picking the ball up, sliding in between the two centre mids, and then all of a sudden there's a player in the pocket again. Defender's not sure if they come out or not, midfield has been bypassed. There's a risk to the 3-4-3 that you can end up really penned in, or that you can be bisected by you know the higher quality midfield. I, I just don't feel like it's time to panic yet. There's a long, long way to go, and you look at sides you finish in the bottom third, which is very likely where we're going to finish, no guarantees, but very likely where we'll finish. Um, they usually accumulate a third to half their points in just one run of 5, 10, 15 games. Very likely if we finish in that bottom third, which, I mean, let, let's be realistic, is probably where we finish. And a lot of us would say, as long as that's above the dotted line, a good finish. It's very likely we're going to have a run and otherwise a run of points. And then aside from that, a run where we really don't pick much up. A bit like if you look at 2008, 2009, when we only just stayed up, uh, we picked up over half our points in like the first 18 games, I think we had 1.8 points per game. And for the rest of the season, after that really strong start that had us seventh after being Cardiff 2-1, I think Penza scored that game, um, on Sky. After that, we had 0.8 points per game. So it cut more than in half. Um, and you know, then we were in trouble and we just kept trending down and down and down. You look at sides like QPR last season, started strong and then dropped off and it just survived. So the thing with the relegation threatened sides in championship is that it can be a long drawn out season where you need to really seize your opportunity when it comes and otherwise it can be quite rough riding for significant periods that's why i'm not so worried because i'm expecting we're going to go through that kind of phase so i was going to say i would agree with that because if you look at the average number of points to stay up in the championship it's 46 47 that's basically a point a game which we're not far off well we are exactly 11 out of 11 um, but I think you've also got to put in perspective, uh, I think Shuey mentioned in his press conference, that Swansea have got a top six budget and we're at the bottom. So this is a really David and Goliath task for us to get above the bottom three. But I, I looked it up and Swansea's budget, playing wage and salaries budget last, last accounts was £23 million. So it just puts it into some perspective when I think we were about six or seven would be a bit more this year. So at least half their playing budget. Um, they were able to recruit players. I think they sold players for 16 and a half million in the close, close season and recruited spending five million. So it's the sort of, they are the sort of team we need to aspire to. And I thought they just showed the championship now, now with the quality of players that they had. If you look at Jerry Yates, how would we be if Jerry Yates was up front for us? We'd be a different team and we'd have a different option. And, and you referred to not having the substitutes. Last year, we were a 16-man team. But this year, I don't feel that we are. The substitutes don't make that difference because 
the step up in quality is that much more to make, and so they can't make the same impact. But I'm I'm, I'm optimistic we're going to stay up. I think we'll have a few sweats around Easter possibly, but then um, we've got a reasonable run in when you look at the, the the games at the end of the season. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm positive. Yeah, let's go through this one chronologically then. The first half shouldn't take that long. Um, four changes. Uh, Macaulay Gillespie, Matt Butcher, Joe Edwards and Luke Cundall in for Miller, Kessler Hayden, Randall and Azaz. James, what did you make of those those changes? Obviously, Matt Butcher's inclusion raised a few eyebrows. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a very defensive lineup through the middle, but obviously I was pleased uh, initially that we were going back to the, to the three at the back. Although, let's go back to something when I spoke on the uh, spaces you had the other after the Bristol game, where I said to Sam, I didn't want us to change formation back to the back to the three at the back because I didn't want to see Shuey throwing the towel on the four at the back that they'd obviously planned pre-season, they'd done all the work on. And then we obviously did that and, and won at, uh, uh, against Norwich. And then we're back to the four at uh, Millwall and then we're back to the three again in this game. So we're swapping and changing. And yeah, I was pleased to see it back, but I did think they, the, change, the, the amount of changes made and the change of formation yet again, I was a little bit worried, sort of hamper cohesion. And I did feel, especially as the game went on, we started to swap and change formation again mid-game, that I guess we'll come on to this with formation chat, that it start to, um, to have a sort of negative effect. And I did sort of feel that through the game that we didn't have the same cohesion through uh through the thirds um as we have. We attack differently when we're in the we're in the three. I guess my my fear that we would that the we're making too many changes sort of ended up coming to pass. So so yeah that was my my feeling. I mean I don't have too massive a view on whether I prefer the four or the or the three. I think they have both have good points and bad points. But yeah, I was uh, after losing after watching the Millwall defeat. I was happy to see us back in the in the formation that we lined up against uh, Norwich and did so well. But it was a completely different game and played out completely differently. And the and the and the formation wasn't as effective. So so yeah, that was my reaction. And and um, you know, it was a great first half. Um, we had those you know, you know flurry of early chances. We had a lot of the ball um, early on, but felt. Going back to that comment a minute ago about teams sussing us out, I could see, you could see um, with Swansea uh, attacking the Devonport in the first end. I was quite sat quite low down in Devonport, so I got quite confused. They were really teasing their way through our back line, and there was a lot of balls that just sort of trickled out for a um, for a corner, and you know, Olays from the uh, from the support from our support, but they were they were finding their way through, and um, when they regrouped after half time, those balls became a lot more dangerous. And it was actually a teased ball to the back post that they were trying to set up in the first half as well, and that was the one that opened the scoring. Yeah, I think we're going to get onto set pieces and predominantly our own corners in a bit. Uh, there's there's been a few Twitter questions about those. Um, ben, we know that you like a tactical deep dive or two. Um, I think there's a few of those out and about. Um, just talk us through the, the the benefits of of each one and which which formation you feel works best with this group of players. Because to me, it's obvious, but you you have a a slightly better understanding of these things. No, I wouldn't say that at all. I think that the prototypical 4-3-3 performance was against Watford. And I think the longer the season goes on, the impact of Saxon Early's injury um, is becoming more apparent because he's 
I know he only played a couple of games, but one of the highest rated defenders in the squad. And he's top of the defensive dribbles per 90 with three, which outstrips a lot. And, and I think third is Joe Edwards. If you've got those two at fullback and you've got the wingers stretching the pitch, they can dribble, they'll draw midfielders. That gives you the, the high wingers, Mumba and, and Whitaker, who were playing those roles, to be able to chip over the top or put through the middle. Ryan Hardy also a stre- keeping, keeping the centre-backs pinned back. And also in that formation, Houghton did a really great job of being the one the one central midfielder who stayed right in front of the two centre-backs and almost dropped in as a third centre-back. So it was a true five. The, the way we're playing the three at the minute really is a three. The it's it's not, It doesn't really ever convert to a back five unless we're really under the cosh or the ball's been played to the corner and players are coming back to cover, whereas it really played as a as a back five rather than a four in that game. Early got injured. And it seemed to sort of the four seemed to just leave too many holes down the sides after that. And I think Shu even sort of alluded to it in one of his one of his presses, um, you know, that he was he forced his way into the team early uh, and he'd really sort of made that slot his own only to go and get injured. And he sort of had a bit of a wry smile about it. And I think that was maybe a little um, subconscious sort of show of, of what a spanner that had thrown in the works without trying to put that out there and sort of, you know, make that a public thing. Um, but you could sort of s- s- get the sense that maybe that had put a, put the mockers on that. I, I, as you said, I put a video out on the 3-3-3-1 three, 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 purely on the basis that the 3-3-3-1 three, 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 would allow Argyle to do much of what he's trying to do with the 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, but... Honestly, having now seen 11 games, I don't think we have the personnel to play. There's a reason why people look at those sort of systems, Bielsa being the most famous exponent of it, and then think that's really hard to do consistently with 90 minutes for the full squad. Let's try and adapt that a little bit. They love the principle and they need to change it. And so it was more a, you know, a hypothetical um, travel in, into, into whether the 3-3-3 would work as a, this would get the benefit, but also provide you with the extra man in the middle, the extra centre-back, so we don't have to keep using Hazard to get the ball. I mean, Hazard, he's a great shot-stopper, um, but if you're going to use him to distribute, he has to be able to distribute. You you know, it's all well and good saying that he's a, he's a, a stopgap for Michael Cooper, um, but teams, as, as have been said, they'll work you out. They've seen the tape now. They know they can pressure him. There was a wonderful example in the second half where he sort of cleared a ball long, when he shouldn't really have been under pressure, went to their keeper, who then pinged a wonderful ball, little dropping ball down their right wing, and Sky had to put it out for a corner, uh, for a corner, for a throw-in rather, right um, down by the byline, and the difference was was really you know palpable. And and I you know I think he's an excellent goalkeeper. I think he's for the for the price, he'll be a good keeper for the league. But those are the sort of things that people work out, and and if you're stuck to a a system that exposes him you know, the extra centre-back would would be useful for that. But uh, we're not playing the 3-3-3-1. We're playing the sort of the, I don't know what it is, because it switches between, in transition, between attack and defence. So it's a real three at the back, and it doesn't really provide any more cover, really, than the, than the four at the back. Because, as has been said, the balls are still coming between the centre-backs or the, the, the left and right centre-back or the, the, the left and central centre-back, as they were, between the two centre backs or or down the sides where the spaces were left by the 
the fullbacks pressing forward of the four. So we're still conceding goals that way, not just chances, but goals. So defensively, which I think is the issue, I don't think, I think attacking wise, you can get the best out of players in either formation. Whitaker does a lot better when he's got 360 degrees around into play rather than when he's pressed with, you know, with his back to the, the line, because especially with a low back four or a back three, you can actually trap him out there with one man. He's not got space to go in. You don't need to double up on him, put one behind him and one in front. You can just trap him with one man. Um, so he gets on the ball more in, in the with the three at the back. But, you know, with with the fifth highest top scorers in the league at the moment. So I don't think scoring with, with a three or a four at the back is really the problem. It's which works better defensively. And honestly, I don't think, you know, we still conceded two against Norwich. And yes, we might have switched off a little bit, but... On another day, you know, you could lose, you concede in two quite conceivably. Um, we've conceded two against uh, Millwall. We've conceded two, uh, three against Swansea. Swansea a better team than Millwall. But, you know, can you pin down whether one of those is working better defensively? I don't think so. And that's the conundrum. It doesn't really matter which you go for uh, at the moment. We're still producing the same weaknesses on the pitch. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, in the fact that no matter what formation we play, we just don't really seem to have the fullbacks for it. And, and, and losing early is actually bigger than, than I ever really realised it was. Um, Luke Condal obviously opened the scoring against the side he was on loan from last season. Obviously, one of them scoring was inevitable. Uh, it just wasn't the one we tweeted about, so we made ourselves look like idiots. How nice is it to be on the right end of a former player curse for once it was inevitable either he or Whitaker was going to score because that normally happens in these sort of games. He took his chance. I, mean, I, I do like Luke Condal. I think we play better with him in the side because he brings energy. He wins a lot of second balls. He looks, does a lot of pressing. And when we don't have him, I, particularly when we're playing 4-3-3, I don't think we're um, as effective uh, as without him because, you know, the championship is a step up. I, th- I think Jimmy Dickinson said at the Senior Greens meeting that every player runs at least a kilometre more than they did in League One. So that's quite a leap. If, you know, it's 11, the team's 11 kilometres or 10 kilometres outfield players. That's quite a significant jump. And I think under 4-3-3, because of the inverted fullbacks, I think they're running even more. And I do wonder whether the 4-3-3 might be part of the reason why we don't seem to sort of last 10, 15 minutes be so dominant as we were in last season. And, uh, you know, championship is a a much bigger step up than I think all of us realised it would be on the evidence of what we've seen. Even the mid-table teams, the Millwalls and Swansea's are, you know, probably a class above us at the moment. And we've got to really work and play hard just to... uh, be on a par with them yeah this one's for you nick uh, listener question you might know the the asker uh, fraser asks was that the most boring half of football so far this season well fraser just loves to moan really there are only about three or four argyle fans i personally know who who moan more than him i think his favorite thing as well is just winding up sam he likes to make sam moan more as, as usually half my messages of him are just like oh you never guess what sam said now and oh sam's having a meltdown that kind of thing i didn't find it boring but then i find a lot of entertainment in just like watching little tactical battles and watching teams try to figure free figure each other out i mean i imagine you're quite the same right 
Well, personally, no, I don't like golf no? or cricket. Oh, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought you'd said that you had. Never mind. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I wouldn't say it's boring. I'm sorry. I wanted to ask about um Saxon earlier. I was mean to sort of hop in earlier. Do you really think he's been that that big of a loss? Well, I, I didn't at the time. I thought you know KKH is exceptional. Um, KKH uh, he has all the physical abilities and skill of a Premier League player, but I think mentally he goes missing at times. But he is a, a very very good defender. He can he's very calm um, at what he does. He can read the game very well. He just seems to prefer to bomb on a bit too much, in my opinion. And that is half the battle, isn't it? Psychologically and discipline, that's half the battle in a defensive position. But, you know, so I didn't, you know, really think early was a was a problem. But then I keep going back to that Watford game. It was the only game we only conceded, or we conceded below one XG. And considering what the, the game Watford had their previous game, that was quite impressive. And, it, you know, sort of re-watching those games for, for cutting up clips and things, it really was a brilliant defensive performance. He drove out from the back with the ball when necessary. You know, if you, even if you'd asked me two or three games ago, I'd have probably said mm, no. But I'm just sort of thinking, seeing how all the different combinations of fullbacks that Shoe is using don't seem to be getting the results he wants in that four and whether that's the reason he's had to go back to the three. It's pure supposition, but... I kind of disagree. Um, so it was early had a good game against Watford. I'm not sure if you remember, Joe Edwards had an awful start to that game. He was just yeah. being taken to the cleaners. Um, around half an hour in, this is kind of what I enjoyed doing. Um, he made a very conscious decision. He sort of changed the way he was playing. He got really, really tight to his winger. The moment he got the ball, he was committing every single time. And all of a sudden, he was able to get on top of his winger and basically had no more trouble down his flank, which is very impressive to do, to be obviously a player, sort of work out what's going wrong and adapt mid-game. And early was kind of the opposite of that, in that they kept switching and he was always very apprehensive to close down. And they actually had quite a lot of joy and they had a lot of, they probed a lot down the right. Part of the reason they had such low XG is because Dan Scar made two absolutely heroic, I think it was Scar, heroic last ditch tackles. Yeah, it was. Watford played well, but I, I feel like we're just sort of getting a little bit in, um, into anomaly territory. Like early put in one good game. Um, and it was a good game, but like Watford themselves put in one good game against QPR and have been kind of poor definitely blow past since and like uh, kkh had like a brilliant start and now was pizzed off but as young players do I, I feel like we're just sort of drawing a bit too much from you know from one or two performances and then also just not you know, reflecting on the fact that we've got a very very young squad it's not like the average age under 24 under 23 yeah um yeah younger they are the more inexperienced more like they're gonna oscillate i remember when when Backinson joined and Sam watched his first two before I'd God, I'd, Sam is like rent free in my head. But his first two performances, um, he had really great games against uh, Carlisle and someone else we beat 3 0, I think. Um, and Sam immediately decided that he was like the best best player we had in the team, best player in the league kind of thing. And he sort of tapered off because he's a young player. I don't know. I just feel like I don't think there's a solution. I think this is just a reflection of less depth and lower quality relative to the league. And, you know, when a player's in good form and plays well, then we, you know, we have better performance. And if as a team collect that will be, yeah, I imagine someone's about to talk about mentality because clearly there's some kind of mental block that's, you know, causing some of the mistakes. The comment about early is not about the fact that he's a better fullback than any of them. It's about the way he plays, that he can but run But KKH with does it really well as well. They both play that inverted role very well in terms of picking up position. And they both, you know, complete a lot of dribbles. 
But if you look at the stats, that's just, you know, KK, I I know he sometimes comes on as a sub or starts, but offensive dribbles, yes. But defensive dribbles, no. Defensive dribbles, he plays a lot like Mumba, which is to get the ball, do a couple of turns, make his man stand off him, and then he'll play the ball back to a centre-back or into the midfield if possible. He doesn't drive with the ball, and that's the difference. He drives with the ball offensively, so once he's stood a man up, he'll pass the ball, get it back, and... And well, that, well, that's drawing into like a really niche conversation. And also, I, I, how are you getting those stats, by the way? So I just use base ones off surface score, but I haven't seen offensive dribble. So I'd be interested to know about that because I'll digest as much data as possible. Yeah. Who's, but, who uh, scored? Uh, uh, they, they, they will break it down into so it'll be offensive, offensive dribbles, defensive dribbles. So you, you'll have there's two tabs. It'll be sort of uh, general, and then there's the details is the fourth, and between that, you've got the defensive yeah. and the offensive. Sure, um, and um, I think that's the difference is being willing to, when under pressure, collect the ball and drive rather than play the one to. It, it it does. It's just about the speed of of break, and I think that we've done it the opposite with um with KKH, and is a very good player with the ball at his feet and movement wise. I don't think that I'm not suggesting for a moment that on the basis of two games of Saxon early playing that you know he was the second coming of of joke of, 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 of Ashley Cole rather but I just think that those he's, he's got over double the defensive dribbles of anybody else in the team yes like you say that's anomalous because he's only played a, a, a small number of games and so you're going to have a spike you know those numbers would will even out would regress to a mean over the season but, but with him and Edwards being the the, the two highest um, defensive dribblers in the team. I wonder if that played into the decision to go to a four because that recreates some of what you'd get with the additional centre-back, which is drawing people out of midfield to come and get the ball, to come and press the ball whilst you're passing around at the back. If you then have the ability to drive in transition. Anyway, like you say, this is a very niche conversation, yeah, this is, which is dragging I, on. Just to sort of draw us back to my final point. I mean, in terms of like creativity, we, we were still very creative. We still... Um, you know, we're able to carve teams open, make chances. I don't really think that's the issue. The issue we're really talking about here is being a bit more secure defensively. I don't feel like defensive dribbles is is the KPI we need to be focusing on as to like what what makes or breaks that fullback. But yeah, I, I think I think probably move on for <laughs> any more niche. Can I just say, in terms of defence, there's one person we haven't mentioned, and that's Lewis Gibson, and he was missing for the two home games, and quite possibly over the. The nine games and the whole been, game probably been our best, most consistent player, and uh, I do wonder. I mean, Nicola Gillespie is is a definite League One player. That it's quite a leap up for Championship. He's coming back to fitness, and and I think we've missed Lewis Gibson, and I do wonder if he'd played whether our defensive um, frailties would have been different, and we might could have got a result out of the two games. Because I think he's a very important player for us. Yeah, so that's my next question about Lewis Gibson's um, absence uh, being answered, which is good. You, you're ticking the boxes here, Graham. You're ticking them. It's good to see. Thank you. You forgot to add in the break, didn't you? Should we call that a break? <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Obviously, half-time appeared to be the turning point, James. What, what, what do you think it was? Do you think there was anything specific that even managers said or did that just threw it in Swansea's um, favour? That's the word, favour. Well, to directly answer the question, I think yeah, Swansea were probing their way through in the first half, didn't make too much progress, but were, were looking for uh, weak spots. I think they were trying to stand up um, Gillespie on the far post. I think they tried it at least once or twice in the first half and they got success by it. Um, but it just goes that back down to this. We're, we're just two teams playing at the same time. We're, in a, we're actually a very, very effective um, attacking team. Um, and we're a very quite poor defensive team for this for this stand for this league and you know for the you know first goal as we as we mentioned not the stuffing us out of us a bit but we we came forward with intent I think we won a couple of corners almost immediately after the um after they scored and we were right back at it but then suddenly pop up someone pops up in the midfield and we look back at that goal Butcher and Houghton nowhere to be seen. I think Houghton's actually on the next to Scar, uh, tracking tracking the man, so running back as if they're going to play another ball pierce, uh, defense piercing ball through the centre backs, and he and he takes his chance and and uh, has all the time in the world to to find the bottom corner. But it's in those moments we we seem to find a way to to sort of melt away defensively um, a couple of times. A game, and and that's the difference. It's those the small differences that Shuey keeps talking about in the in his uh, post match press conferences, where you can't have a lapse of concentration uh, like that because uh, uh, you will get punished. And so perhaps there was a perhaps there was a talk in the Argyle dressing room to to watch those balls being played through, um, and that's why Houghton was tracking back on the with the last on the shoulder of the last man rather than going out to meet the man in the midfield. So. Perhaps that was what was spoken about at half time, but certainly Swansea were probing through for the first half and they they exploited those weaknesses um as they popped up in the second half and that was it. Yeah, that's the one where like Houghton's the deepest, right? And he's tracking Jerry Yates for some reason. Yeah, and you'd expect him to be going out to uh to 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 meet the ball, but um so yeah, certainly a systemic failure for that one. And then of course it would be wrong remiss not to mention another massive foul on the build-up for the third, which when we're chasing the game um, twice in four days, uh, an absolutely blatant foul right in front of the referee, knocks Edwards on his back um, as we were pushing people forward for the corner. And then it was a it was a formality from there yet again and and robbed us, if anything, of our ability to grab a, a last-minute winner yet again. But a bit like the Millwall game, it felt like we could go for the rest of the day and not and not score after that. We'd run out of ideas, and um, I don't know if we're going back to this, but the amount of formation changes and um, in both second halves of of those games, I just think we 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 were just throwing men forward at the end, and they didn't all, all cohesion seemed to go out the window. You said about Houghton being out of position for that, and I agree. I don't think he had a brilliant game. Um, he played a couple of sort of just strangely aimless balls into the box, you know, not even at an Argyle player at times. And, and the 
sort of like the ratings reflect that. But to the eye, um, he didn't seem to have a good game. And Shuey says he's like, it was, um, I can't remember which, whether it's pre or post-match pressers. I think it must have been pre-match pressers where Houghton himself said he sort of comes off the pitch sometimes with like a headache because he's concentrating so much, organising everybody around him. And conversely, or, or similarly, Shuey then said, um, himself that Houghton's like his manager on the pitch, he's like his coach on the pitch, which was interesting because I hadn't sort of come across that that thought before. So I do think sometimes when Houghton's concentrating on his own job or being put under pressure in his own job and he's not there to perhaps, you know, he dropped in and maybe assuming, look, I'm covering the runner because I've picked him up early. One of you centre-backs needs to step out to the man quickly. And Dan Scar, for example, hasn't picked up because, you know, Houghton hasn't said to him, you know, to him, press, you know, and that, that that split second of indecision or someone not telling you what to do. I think when Houghton doesn't have his best game or when he's distracted with his own job and not able to sort of organise as Shuey likes him to do and as he, you know, has taken upon himself to do, then it can affect the performance of the rest of the team. I think if if Houghton plays well, the team plays well in general. And I think his, his job organising the team on the pitch, especially through tactical and... Um, formation changes transitions I think is very important and yeah I think he was distracted in that moment the second goal and that really did sort of change the feel I do agree that Houghton's having a great season but I think part of the reason he's perceived to be having such a great season is because he's so busy he's having so much to do you're seeing him so on the ball and making interventions so much more than we have have been in previous seasons that almost gives the effect that he is or the perception he's having great you know really a really great game and a really great season because he's so, I feel he's so much more visible than he used to be and I do agree that he is a very important player and he is having a great season but in that moment in those moments in the game where he when he isn't and then and then that is when problems emerge and it's sort of the same across the team you are everyone's I don't think there's any passengers in the team but we are extremely stretched uh in uh without the ball and yeah, it's all good until it isn't, and then you get punished um, in a in a split second, and and that's really what's what it's coming down to at the moment. I want to quickly speak in Halton's defence. If you if you pull up if you pull up the goal and sorry, if you go, I've got the YouTube highlights open now. If you go to pause at one twenty two, what you can see has sort of happened in and around that moment is Edwards is way tucked in. I can't remember why. I can't remember if he is pressing someone or following his man. But Edwards is way tucked in centre mid. Um, uh, Plekasuelos covering at right wing back and Houghton's dropped into into that right centre back role. The the one that I find weird is is Butcher. If if you sort of watch Butcher's position, he's sort of hovering around centre midfield. Um and then he drops almost next to Gillespie really. He's he's right next to him. And again you can question why no one someone needs to go to the to the ball carrier in possession to pressure him. But I'm just a bit I don't really understand what, what Butcher's doing to be honest. Um if you had to go and quickly look at it, see what I mean. I'd, his is the one that really sort of puzzled me movement-wise. I, I don't necessarily think it's his responsibility to press him, but I don't really understand where he ends up finishing anyway to, in that moment. But yeah, I, I just I don't feel like uh, in in that particular moment, Halton was doing the wrong thing by dropping in. I feel like he it was, he, again, trying to be his manager on the pitch. Like you said, I remember when she was talking last year about... Um, giving the players responsibility to do post-match analysis. I think he said Halton was the first one to do it. Scar did it. I'm not sure if you remember or saw that press, uh, the, uh, I think it was a pretty much press conference one time. And like, he was very, very clear that he really liked Halton and his like game intelligence and game analysis. It doesn't really surprise me that, but I think, yeah, in this case, what he's doing is he's, he's sort of dropping in and covering as, as you'd expect rather than leaving the big hole. Um, 
the, the failure there is that someone else then needs to cover a centre midfield role. Yeah, I, yeah, think well, I, I singled out Harrison because when I when oh, I um, sorry, I was just going to say I was suggesting sorry, that he didn't have a great game, not in that particular instance, but just that he because it was a um, because he was having a tricky game, he was concentrating on his role and not necessarily doing that coaching on the pitch that he had been doing uh, in previous games, and therefore people need to step up and think for themselves and have that awareness to 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 to, to make decisions more quickly. Um, because Houghton was distracted trying to follow a man, which was, like I said, you know, perfectly reasonable. He's picked up the the man. He's the closest to the to the striker. It might have well been discussed as what to do, but that that happened, I think, because he was, or he, he didn't necessarily communicate to the others. Look, Butch, you pick him up. You need to come in and tactical foul. Sky, that you know, Dan, you need to press out quicker. He wasn't doing that because he was having a bad game and focusing on on his job, and everyone else needs to to step in and, and do their bit without needing someone else's brain to, 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 to pick up, pick the speed up. I mean, just look at the positions that Edwards and sorry, I'm, I'm just literally watching him back over and over. Look at the positions that Edwards and Butcher, who at those moments were the centre mids end up in. They're just, doesn't very, Edwards very, be running the wrong way. So yeah, he's, right. he's sort of half returning to the right wing back role, but as though yeah. we're in possession and progress, they're both end up in very weird positions and we end up with absolutely no one in, in centre mid. No, he's got like 10 yards around him in a circle. Yeah. It's like he stood in the centre circle almost. Does that also, look at me asking a question that I haven't pre-written, does that also highlight the, the miss of Randall or just how well he's linked up with Houghton this season? Weird one to... It's happened now twice with Bristol City and now now here where he's made many changes after a Tuesday game. I'm a bit surprised that I don't, maybe I don't understand. And there is that extra kilometre they're running. I hadn't seen that. It's a really interesting thing to note. I think it was Graham who said that. The extra kilometre they're running is like, you know, notable. But equally, I mean, the fixed congestion is much less than last season in terms of fewer Tuesday games early on, plus the, I think the winter break, not the winter break, but there's more games because of the World Cup. I'm surprised at how much we're having to rotate. They haven't had many midweek games and there's been the, the international breaks. I'm surprised at that. Um, I, I like you would have you would have said that if the centre mids in the three four three, Randall's probably the best of them, right? Would you agree with that? Mm. So it surprises me that he's he's not that. I mean, Halton undoubtedly is my favourite in the defensive mid. If we were to play three five two, which we used to under Low and Chewy, and then also in the three four three. But if you ask me to pick the best player for the centre mid role in three four three, it's it's Randall, surely. Yeah, he can do everything, can he? He really is a Swiss Army knight. Mm. He's invaluable. One well, one just... thing I would say, he, I think he's found the step up a bit harder because he's got to be quicker of thought and quicker of pass. And there's been a few games where he's been caught dwelling on the ball and caused a breakaway. So, <clears throat> like last season, he got better as the season went on. And the last sort of eight games was probably our best player. And I can see how he's improving game by game. But sometimes he, it's being on the front foot, the speed of thought, you can't dwell on it. You get caught, you get pressed. And I think he's been guilty of that once or twice this season. And that may be a <clears throat> part of why Shuey keeps having him in, having him out. Personally, I think he, he, he does play well with... Houghton as the two centre mids. I think that's an effective combination if you're going to play that way. But 
I don't think he's so well versed in the two number ten roles in the four three three. Yeah, agreed on that last comment. Yeah, when I was just gonna say when we tried him in the ten before, it was yeah, not the best, uh, not the best football I've ever seen from him. But yeah, he must be he must be nearly hundred appearances now for us. So uh, he's doing something right. Um, whilst we're on individuals, there's some discourse on um, we're going to talk about him again, uh, Connor Hazard, that he should be doing better with with two of their three, but particularly the third one. Anyone strongly agree or disagree? I think the third one, he could do better, but then I think the save in the first half is an absolute worldie, so it kind of evens yeah. itself out. Yeah. Um, if he saves, the, if he if the first one goes in and he saves that the third goal, you'd say, you know, that, that was fair. And I know it doesn't work that way, but then if it scored that first one, the game would have gone differently anyway. So I think, we, you know, on the balance, you can probably give him a pass on that. Didn't the goal go through his legs? Didn't it? I mean, to be fair, Josh Key did it pretty powerfully and sometimes when the goalkeepers spread on themselves it's a matter of luck whether it goes through the legs or not and it did so don't think it was Josh Key's precision it was just what happened yeah Josh Key was very vocal on Twitter for a man that couldn't do it twice for Exeter <laughs> move on to some of the questions actually uh, Matt Johnson whilst we're on about Hazard he says uh, would you put Cooper straight back in if he's fit for the games after the international break is there any doubts that Cooper might not be the same after nine months out obviously I know we've got a talkie we've got behind closed door friendly against it's playing tomorrow do, tomorrow, do we know where yes the doors no. are closed is it home park or... I don't know oh, I thought you'd have some inside knowledge Graham no, no, well, I, I would, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I mean, I'm sure he's making an appearance at uh, the Cornish supporters at St Blasey at 7.30, so... Uh, oh, right, OK. I assume it's not doing kickers. I feel a bit sorry for Cooper because he's not only got to uh, come uh, back into the team after a horrible injury, um, which could affect his confidence, um, uh, you know, especially in the manner it was sustained, and then he's also got to make a step up to a level he's not actually played before and now he's got to to uh to achieve the expectations that the entire fan base have, have got on him at the same time so um yeah maybe I'm a bit cautious about rushing him back but I certainly want him back as soon as possible but um yeah I do feel that we have to respect that he is coming back from a from a really nasty injury and uh and yeah I'm not in the hazard hater camp but I think my Feelings of hazard have mellowed a little bit since we started kicking long. Um, so I think that's papering over the cracks a bit, and perhaps we should be getting Cooper back as as soon as as soon as he's physically able. Yeah, and I think it's probably just as important whether he wants to come back or not. If he's absolutely chomping at the bit, put me in, put me in, and needs to be reined back, um, then you know you throw him in, and if he if he if he drowns, then say, look, Mike, you know we need to ease you back in um if he's nervous which as has you know just been said quite competently you know he might be nervous after such an injury he might want to be brought back in more smoothly so it, i think that's probably fans will always want who they perceive to be their favorite or the best in their eyes on the pitch hazard is good enough certainly to keep playing until cooper is in the optimum place where he and the the coaching team feel he should come back in and i think that that is the best course, whether we like it or not as as fans. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it earlier, uh, Ben, that, you know, it doesn't matter who we have in goal, really, if, if we can't shore up at the back, then, you know, you, you can have um, Casillas in goal. Um, there you go, a nice um, recent relevant keeper. 
back to the game itself then. Uh, former Swan Morgan Whitaker not having his best game in green, if, if truth be told. I'm sure somebody will argue with that. Um, but yeah, is, is it harsh to add Bally Mumba in there too? You know, How do we assess their step up to the championship after excelling in League One? Is, is it almost a, a case that they were too good in League One, so we have those higher expectations now? And how do we get the best out of two players that you know cost us our record outlay? I, th- I think Morgan Whitaker is always going to be in and out. It's the type of player he is. He's, he's a confidence player. And if he starts well and has a good snapshot or a good chance, it seems to buoy his confidence. I don't think he's too keen on people playing tight on him. <clears throat> I think he struggles with that a bit. Um, I, I, I'm agnostic. I, I like him cutting in from the right-hand side because particularly if you're in the Linders where you sit, you can sit right behind it. And he absolutely let go of the fizzer against Millwall, which was right in the top corner. And the keeper just tipped it over. So, I mean, if that had gone in, it would have been a different different game. Barley Mumba, I think, is going to learn you don't have to beat the same player twice. Once is enough. I mean, he's got a fantastic <clears throat> turn on him. And he can turn a player inside out. Once you've done it, just give it. But he's going to do it again or try somebody else. And, and I think he's just because you think of how many times he's got past the player and put a dangerous ball into the area. Not many times. His best skill is actually running at the defender on the corner of the penalty area. And you think he can dribble past and possibly get chopped down for a penalty. But he hasn't really done that this season so far. There are sort of two questions you need to pick up. Is what's best for Mumba and Whitaker what's best for Argyle? Maybe. So, for example, like it's, it seems undisputed in my eyes that three four three is going to bring the best out of them. Whitaker gets to start centrally; he can go both directions rather than being shepherded inside into endless traffic where he gets more likely to be dispossessed. Or if you look at his heat maps as well, he still comes uh, quite central um, in three in four three three, but he's usually very deep. And like progressing the play, or he's in the box but absolutely surrounded and trying to, you know, make an inch of space to get a shot away or a pass or something. Whereas when you look at that, um, when you look at his heat maps for his three four three, when he's the inside forward, he's sort of in between the two. He's just outside the area, so he can shoot, he can create, he can dribble, he can take someone on. Likewise, Mumba, not yet a winger mentally, in the sense that he's got all the attributes to beat someone, but it's a different it's a different ball game to sort of be the creative, the creative outlet. Whereas last season he's got Mayer around him, he's got Azaz around him, he's got Whitaker around him, he's got Ennis, who's more of a creative player than than Hardy is, for example. You've got all these different people who, who, who help you create a line. And Mumba could feed off them rather than necessarily be the, the sole player relying on creating something down the left on his own. So I mean, bring the best out of them. Three four three undoubtedly is surely going to do it better. I would have thought. I, th- I think most of us would agree with that here. The question is then whether three four three is what's going to be best for us long term. Like I, again, I, I think there's a reason why why Shu wants to go to four three three. I think he wants the extra control in midfield, um, the extra possession to reduce the number of times you know, our opponents can break us down, and then that might mean more teething trouble with getting someone like Mumba up to being a top class winger that I think he'll eventually become, but isn't quite there yet, and someone like Whitaker who's still learning how to play that role to his absolute optimum. So he can maintain his influence and really learn to use his right foot a little bit more. He's not he's not like he's not Iron Robin, for example. He's not always coming in on his left, but he's still quite reliant on it. I think statistically speaking, they're both 
performing just as well, if not better, as they were last season. Um, and I think the fixation come for the number I'm talking specifically comes on the lack of assists, lack of goals. Um, and that's not all there is to to football. He's, you know, I think, yeah, I've got I wrote it down. So last season, uh, his his overall rating was seven point one zero. Uh, Who defines that rating? Hang on, I'm sorry, I'm going to take objection to this. The rating is a very basic and quite okay. crappy algorithm. So the, rate, so the rating, the, is the, the rest, the rest of the metrics are obviously like actually interesting, but like I, I always, I always ignore the actual ratings. It's very, you know, it's, it's based on the more you do, not the better you do it. You make more passes, you get higher rating. Doesn't matter if those passes did anything, you make more saves, you get a higher rating. So like, I, I, I always ignore the rating, but the rest of the stats, I'm sure you're about to go into just. I, I hate them. Okay, so 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 that's in which case that supports my argument even more because he's not scoring goals this season and he's not creating assists and yet his his current rating, if you want to put it in inverted commas, by who scores, you know, analysis of his Opta kick KPI is six point nine seven. So he's literally sort of just below the ratings he was getting last season, despite not providing the assists and the goals that he was last season because he's taken people on. He's committing people. He's winning the ball. He's making good passes. His, his pass percentages are are pretty good, um, and and pretty accurate. Um, so there's more to his game than the output. And I know that we we bought him for the output, but I think that sometimes confuses the eye because he's actually doing more for the team than just being an offensive producer. He's actually creating space, especially on that side, for people like Azaz and Kundal to get into pockets and play, you know, and they've had excellent, you know, um, Azaz's key passes is top of the, you know, top of the, the, the team, top of the squad. Uh, Kundal's got four goals and Swansea fans were saying he's more of a facilitator than a, a finisher, but he's been getting space uh, to, to take shots on and, and to also have an influence <clears throat> passing and, and creating. So, um, yeah, the, the the rating is is like, and I completely agree with your point because like Bundu came on against Norwich, got an assist, and his rating was like six point three or something. It's not a you'd think with two minutes of performance to get an assist, your rating would be sky high, and it doesn't work that way. It is a a, a quantitative thing more than a qualitative thing at, at times. As for Whitaker, you know he had his worst game against Swansea, you know five point something if you want to go by ratings, but he's still in the, in many people's team of the season, um, and he's still you know that was before the the hat trick against Norwich, you know, he, 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 he can do anything. When I think you hit the nail on the head, Nick, does the system we play get the best out of either of them? Shoehorning him. I mean, he's, he's dropped, Mumba has dropped back uh, into a wing back position with the three at the back, but uh, does the formation get the best out of them? I don't know, but the, which formation are we talking about? I think they're both doing pretty well this season. It's a step up in, in quality, as has been said, a massive step up. The fact that you know Swansea didn't want him, and he, you know, we were cock a hoop to get him. I think demonstrates the golf really that we maybe weren't taken so seriously in the summer when we were giddy with with these signings coming in. We we could get more out of both of them, but that's not really the issue because we're scoring and producing chances. And um, you know, we, like I said, said earlier, we're the fifth top scoring team. So even if we're not playing to their optimum, you know putting them in the places they want to be would work best. That's not the problem that needs addressing first and foremost. Anything to add on the Swansea game before we move into the, the social Twitter questions? I have to call them social questions now because I actually screenshot some from Facebook as well. 
I'd just fire a question, if I can ask a question of the group. Do Can you think of examples of successful teams at any level, really, who change formation, shape and personnel, game in, game out, as much as we do? I feel that successful teams tend to have a set a set formation and probably a, and a set 11, um, barring resting and, and minor rotation. And teams that struggle seem to swap and change formation, looking for the best formula, looking for the best uh, combinations. And, you know, Bristol City, seven changes. We were back to the four at Millwall, then back to the three at Swansea. Um, I think we've tried two or three formations in-game, chasing games this last few, few seasons. Do you think that any works for it? Can you think of anyone that's worked for? Because it smacks a bit to me of not really knowing what our best setup is. I mean, the one <clears throat> I volunteer Manchester City. Yeah, there you go. Didn't Arteta say something like he had 63 formation changes in one game when someone yeah, challenged Arteta, him about? Yeah. 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 I mean, then yeah, but my, my minor tweaks, not necessarily a full, a full system change, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I was being facetious. You know, I, I think especially those two teams uh, used as examples are teams of incredible individual talents. You know, you can say, oh, we're going to, you know, make the middle narrower so Bakayo Saka can have more space on the wing to run at his man. And that that works. It doesn't really work in the championship with players don't have that sort of mercurial ability. Um, I don't know. It's a really good question. I hadn't really thought about at this level, how many teams I mean. It only only sort of real outliers, and I don't think we are an, a squad of outliers or that Shuey is an outlier coach. I know, you know, he does some things differently, um, but I don't think there's anyone in this squad that we could sort of argue you can build a team around as good as I think Whitaker could be. He's he's not yet that that finished article where you could sort of swap your your formation around to 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 release him. So no, I don't think, you know, off the cuff. Now I can think of anybody at this level who who has done that successfully, unless they are sort of a top end team like a a Bielsa Leeds who sort of swap between that three 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 one and pack in the midfield more. And and again, that was that's an incredible outlier. So no, it's a good question and probably a very good point and something that you know the, the questions on do we settle on a back three? Do we settle on a back four? Which do you prefer? Maybe we just need to pick one and you know live or die by it. Um, because as you say, if you're just confusing your players while they're on the pitch, having to shuffle around, knowing that they're going to have to shuffle around at some point as well, with that in the back of their mind, uh, yeah, potentially it does do more more harm than good. Could I just say that some fans say we don't have a plan B? Well, now we definitely have a plan B. We've got plan A, plan B, and variations beyond that. So it, I think it depends on whether the team you're playing against drop deep or push high. I mean, Norwich push high and they were there for the taking. Millwall sat deep and we couldn't get past them and they picked us off a bit. And to be fair, Swansea did that a bit too. So I think at this level, we've got to be, have the ability to do both and more. I mean, I've marvelled at the adjustments that Shuey makes in mid-game last season and he did earlier in this season. We've just had two results that have gone against us for various reasons. So I'd say more of the same. <clears throat> I wouldn't stick with one system or the other. He said horses for courses, and I think that's the right right way to go forward. I mean, I'll be very quickly blunt on, on the point that's sort of transitioned into rather than the initial question, which is I think it just... I, I just want us to have a very strong January 
I think we need some good recruitment and some serious, harsh conversations. For example, right now, I'd be questioning whether going into January, do you return Lewis Warrington? He's clearly not good enough for the team right now. We can't get into the team. Like, do you, are we wasting a loan slot on that? Do we bin him off and bring bring in a different loanee? You've seen how vital they can be last season. I don't, I don't think he's at fault, by the way. I just feel like he's, he's an obvious person who the axe could fall on. Yeah, we do still have a loan spot available though, right? No. We do, but why wouldn't we use both of them? Oh, yeah. if, if Warrington's not good enough to get inside, yeah, then why, why wouldn't we use both of them? Yeah, yeah, true. Like we have to have a quite serious, potentially a quite serious conversation around how we're using the wages and how we can more effectively spend them. Like, can we loan out some someone like Wayne and Tariq Wright? I think aren't ready yet, but could be in future. I wouldn't want to sell. Can we loan them out, save some of the wages, and with that, pay for another player? I don't, I don't know. We obviously can't see the finances, but yeah, without drawing too much onto a separate point, like I, I think improving the quality of the squad. Will definitely benefit us as much as settling on a tactical formation. Yeah, there's a there's yeah. players right that like ideally you'd get Ben Wayne alone in which he could get regular minutes. There's um you know there's a few players that you could be harsh on that um I'm not going to name because I actually quite like them as people. There's there's a few in there aren't there that you know like you said you just need to be a bit realistic with. Um, I feel like you wanted to add something there, Ben. Just that um, Mustafa Bundu is being played out wide. You know, he's come in as, a, as an attacking option, but he's clearly seen as an option from the wing. And talking about the, the guys have, have spoken very eloquently about the way teams feel us out in game, but also that's happening in the, in the, in the tape room team, in the film room. And Ryan Hardy is excellent at what he does, but what he does is relatively one dimensional at this level. Um, I, you know, I, I like him a lot. I rate him a lot, but, Teams, you know, he, he was against Swansea. He was having to go further wide with his runs every time in the second half because of where they were positioning. You know, they were where they were cutting off the lanes, and that's you know that wasn't accidental. Um, so the idea of yes, we've got one loan spot left. Well, if there's any injuries in the middle, uh, it might be that we do. You know, that's not a bad call. Um, not that I think we've seen enough of Warrington to pass judgment, but clearly, you know, what we have seen hasn't been. Um, at level and as a loanee, he's not worth the investment of necessarily us take you know putting putting him out there taking the risk when uh, we could get a, a loanee of maybe now we've identified a specific need in the middle could bring him in and also then still have that final loan spot for a striker because I feel like that could be in terms of teams being able to work us out and shut us down that change of pace up front um, could be very very crucial if we're going to survive. Yeah, whilst you mentioned him, actually, I'll, I'll switch around the order of these uh, Twitter questions. Uh, Gavin Jones has said, is Hardy living off um, early games, the form in those, or is he just unlucky? Guilt edge chance yesterday, fine save or Mr. Sitter. Um, should we give Bundu a go and bring Hardy off the bench versus West Brom? Are you open to that already? Uh, Bundu's a wide player. I, he, he did... Wander into the middle. He doesn't doesn't seem to jump in the air. He doesn't play with his back to goal. But I thought he looks quite menacing out wide. He's prepared to take the player on, and invariably, in the short time that we've seen him, he's beaten the player. I mean that shot against Mill and nearly took the keeper into the back of the net <clears throat> was evidence of that. I 
I mean, I don't know whether I'd start him away from home, but I quite fancy starting in, say, Sheffield Wednesday, out wide, possibly in the Mumba role, um, and because he'll give us some height and weight up top. I think, you know, he's definitely got potential, no question. Given Wednesday's a Tuesday night game, and we've seen no, know, it's a Wednesday changes. Night. It's a Wednesday oh. night game. <laughs> a midweek game, whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> um, given we've seen you know, changes to the team when we've done Saturday, midweek Saturday. Um, good chance that Bundu does get a start in one of those three games as a result of the, you know, the previous pattern we've seen the changes. He did come on down the middle against Norwich as well, don't forget, Bundu. It might well be that in the 3-4-3 three, three, he's seen more as a striker and in 4-3-3 three, three, he's seen more from wide or... Yeah, but he made the goal from a wide position, didn't he? I mean, he did, but that's but Ryan Hardy runs. I mean, we saw Ryan Hardy create the goal against Swansea from a wide position. So, I mean, as a striker, yeah. just can be mobile. Like his highlights show that he can play both formations. At the moment, he's just he's an unknown quantity, really, isn't he? We don't yeah, ever really seen it's, enough. It's a real shame we hadn't picked up three points out of these two home games because it would put less onus on the Wednesday game. Yeah. Start him without any kind of baggage and bring him off at 45 minutes or 60 minutes if if it's not working but a, a, a playing devil's advocate I don't know if you could play him centrally and just let him drift right. into spaces between centre-backs or full-back and centre-back because he can he looks explosive his first pace is electric and he could he could stand people up and go past them from the the wide cent wider central areas I think now he might not be able to, you know, that's purely based on looking at what he does from the very wide. But you watch the way he run across the pitch at least once or twice in the game. We sort of start off, he, he went past his fullback, but he was passed on to the central midfielder. He cut inside goal side of the central midfielder. Then the, the, the centre back jockeyed him across to the next one, to the next one, and he gave it to Miller or something. But if if he's going straight at someone there, especially if you've got wide men giving him options. To, that are going to pin back defenders who's not double tripled up on. It, it could be worth a go. It's just a shame you, you can't necessarily take the risk against Wednesday when you really want to pile it on, get some confidence in the team. You know, whereas it could you could have had, had a play with the formation and the lineup. Now you sort of want to hammer them four 0 and get everyone's confidence back up, keep a clean sheet, especially etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that that is a shame. I wonder if the behind closed doors game he'll be getting a run uh, at least for. Yeah. Centrally for a yeah. while. Now would be um, ideal for an FA Cup first round game where there's yeah. absolutely no pressure or the yeah. FL Trophy or something like that. I'd never thought I'd say that. Yeah, a five-one defeat to Grimsby would be yeah. absolutely class right now. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd like to think Schumacher would have given him a few minutes had we managed to get a two-goal buffer at Swansea, or yeah. or we'd or we'd been up in the Millwall game. I think we would have seen him come on for Hardy, but I just don't think he could justify taking Hardy off. We we haven't actually answered the question at all, have we? Sorry, the question was about Hardy, wasn't it? Uh, well, I wanted to say actually, I think um, I predicted when we swapped to the to the three that um, Hardy would goals would dry up a little bit because when we do play in that formation, we chip over the top and and he runs down the channel to pick up the ball, and that's where he was. And and the first thing uh, in the um, you know he he was he got the assist for the uh, for the Cundall goal just doing just that. So I think as we've as we've transitioned, it was going to make Hardy less effective as a scoring force, um, and it brings the tens into play. So I do feel that circumstances uh, have um, contributed to any perceptions of Hardy not delivering uh, as much in the last three three games as as uh, the three before that. 
Let's finish on a couple uh the, the Twitter questions then. I've coupled these together because they're exactly the same thing. Chris Prue asks, do we actually practice corners in training? And Greg Johnson says, why is the safest option for the competition to tick, kick the ball out for a corner? Why can't Argyle actually achieve anything from the corner flag? People applaud a corner as if it's something positive. I've got a point. Good question. It's funny because the first corner, there was a clearly a, a, a routine. It was pinged against Swansea. The first corner was pinged beyond the back post to Edwards coming yeah, in to head it back across goal. And it, it nearly worked. And I thought, oh, brilliant. You know, we've, we've been working on some stuff. It's going to work. And then the slow realisation that that only works once. Once you've done it the once, they, they've got someone keeping an eye out for that. And then you're just wasting a man in the middle. Um, there were a few, you know, reasonable threats from from corners, but they were again the sort of play the ball up the line, play the short corner, you know, give it to Whitaker to to have a pop or whatever, and then through the game the corner threat again decreased. Um, sadly, um, we don't have a lot of height in the team, and I know it's not as simple because Pleguazelo, you know, out jumps everybody. His aerial com- competitiveness is is incredible for a guy who's comparatively he's taller than me, but comparatively short. Um, you know, he's athletic. So it's not all about height, but I think we've seen in this league, people can get so many men in an organised fashion inside the six-yard box, both in transition and in set pieces, that it's frightening. It's a one thing that I must admit, seeing it in the flesh is, it's incredible to see, you know, like you think P- Preston did it very well, but, you know, Millwall did it and even Swansea did it. There was there was one moment where Hardy dallied on a, we'd stolen the ball in transition and, and they got men behind but the ball so quickly and the chance was gone. Um, so it's when you give them time to set up in the box and they know, you know, that you don't have a lot of threat, we really are struggling. We need to work something out. I think it's clear. I don't think there's any point dwelling on the subject. Yes, you can practice putting the ball in the box as much as you want. But if you haven't got guys who are going to get on the end of it, real, you know, realistically, and then you're stuck in transition with the breakaway, maybe it's better to do what we're doing, recycling the ball a little bit. But it is, you know, when the cheer goes up for the corner, I must agree with whoever asked that question. It's like... Why are you cheering? We, we know we've been better to to get the throw in, but you know it 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 is what it is. Everyone has a weakness, and that's not the weakness I'd really be worried about. Although, as you well know, I had the debate with Sam over whether it was important or not, and it is massively important. But I would I would still say work out what's going on at the defence first, and then we can look at set pieces because set pieces, as you know, was said last season, not being good at them wasn't a problem not being good at them this season could be the difference between survival and, and going down, going down. So yeah, it, it, it's not the most pressing issue, but it's a good number two on my list. And um, I think that, well, I'll let someone else jump in because I, I don't know. I've got my idea of what we could do with it, but someone else might have an idea of how to make better use of corners. I was going to say, I remember there being a, a clamour for Marcel Sype to come in as a, a set piece coach. Last season was that last season or the season before? That just because he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when are we getting seeping? When are we getting a set piece coach? Mark Hughes is the set piece coach. Well, the... okay. I think most Bradford fans would probably agree with that. <laughs> Not that Mark. Not that Mark Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I actually think our corner routines have been better this season than last. To be fair, is that just a comment on last season? Yeah, yeah, it is. But Swansea knew that that the, the short ball to Mumba and the square across to either Randall or Whitaker, they they just put somebody out there, and that that option's gone then. Yeah, to be fair, he got in the box a few fair few times, but then when the, the cutback, there's three men between him and the nearest Argyle player. So I, you know, 
at the game, I was like, oh, he's getting in the box from the short corner. That's brilliant. But then when actually it came to the execution, there was never really any threat. I still prefer that to... I, to be honest, I think the biggest problem, or this is just the eyeball test, I'd, I'd love it if there was actual data behind it. It just seems like we floated in slower, higher parabolic curves, so it's, it's less flat. Uh, the opposition seems to be able to hit it flatter, faster, and more accurate than us. I think the delivery, to be honest, for two seasons has been just rubbish. Uh, I swearing aloud on this podcast still? It was in my day. The delivery has been absolute rubbish for for years maybe two i can't remember pretty much since george cooper because cooper actually had a good cross on him but like the it just seems like it's again just the eyeball test it just seems like it's quite slow and flat i swear i think i tried to do a rough count of how many times we actually had a shot from a corner whipped into the area and the numbers are so depressing that i stopped after like the third game of the season i think it was only like three shots from about 20 odd corners kind of thing so we're not even getting shots off let alone shots on target kind of thing yeah we are the lowest and i think birmingham were but i suspect we've now overtaken them we've got one goal from a set piece which i think is dan scars that and that was a short routine yeah um but you know i think we have the lowest return against the xg that we're supposed to have from set pieces so we are you know repeating last season's form they're fun aren't they anyway um let's round off tonight then with this isn't a Twitter question, actually, it's my own. We're a quarter of the uh, way through the season now. Well, sort of, halfway through um, the West Brom game, and we will be. But how do we assess our start as a whole and have your expectations and pre-season predictions changed at all? I think we're ahead of where I thought we'd be. Um, we, we could well have been in that sort of space of having eight or nine points. It's not, it's not out of the question. I mean, look at how tough it's been for Wednesday in their start Carl Rotherham who very similar budget wise to us we think have started we, we we could well have started slower we had quite a, a slow summer in terms of like not getting many through and picking up a lot of late signings um, and like Bindu coming in and like he hasn't even got up to 90 minutes yet and we're in October kind of thing so we, we could very well have had a slow start the fact that we haven't had a slow start and we find ourselves behind the game is really promising to me we could obviously slip back there. There's nothing that says we're not going to, but I'm happy with the points we've got on the board at this point. We could feasibly be, we should have more, but we could feasibly be considerably worse off. And for a newly promoted side, I'm content with that. Yeah, I, um, I would agree. I anticipated 15th, 16th position. I mean, given that our budget, according to Shuri, is the lowest, lower than Rotherham's, basically we're going to outperform our budget by three places to to stay up. And I think we're perfectly capable of doing that. I think we will get some additions in January. And I think we will adjust to the pace and change in the championship. It takes time. I mean, I think we'll all admit we've been surprised at the difference in standard. You know, apart from one game, we've been in every game and until quite close to the end where we've lost. So I think we're doing okay. And I, I would I would predict a fifteenth or sixteenth position, looking nervously over a shoulder around Easter, but just doing enough to get over the line and over the third bottom line that we've got to do. Yeah, I, I predicted seventeenth before the season started, and that was as much to do with my thoughts on some of the other teams that were being in around us. Now, unfortunately, some of those of like Birmingham, for example, went on a mad one with recruitment etc um and i don't think they're going to be around the bottom 
we are fortunate to have some of the other teams in the league that are in the league this year, I think, which will hopefully um, give us a bit of a cushion. I think the only concern, you know, I'm happy with where we are. We're right about where I predicted would be at the end of the season. And we've had some, <clears throat> I think on balance, we probably have more hard games or games you'd expect us to lose than games you'd expect us to win. I think the teams that you'd expect us to be in and around realistically, like Millwall and Huddersfield, those are two teams you think we could would try and beat. Maybe Bristol City. Um, the rest, you know, on budget and on squad, you'd say that they're, they're better teams as much as you want to be bullish. So you could have come out of this 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 set of 11 fixtures with with no more than six points, as has been said. You know, we could be right down in that mix with where, where Rotherham are in the same sort of situation. We've, we're the fifth highest scorers in the league. So we've got one of the, you know, the big issues ticked quite, quite well. Um, the problem is defending is more important in relegation scraps than attacking um, because... You know, I said it. I always was one of my mantras, but you can score zero goals in a season and get forty six points, and you can score a hundred and go down. So there is a balance to be had. But scoring is, if you've got no threat, you don't stretch teams, you don't keep them honest. So we've we've ticked one of the boxes there. We need to shore up the other one. I think the only sort of fly in the ointment is that the way the season's gone. We started great. Now we're being found out a little bit. Now things have started to dry up, and so that's maybe adds a hint of nervousness. Whereas if it's the other way around. We'd start, had a really slow start, but all of a sudden we'd sort of put together a run. I think we'd all feel a little bit more optimistic, but I don't think it's time to panic. We're doing quite nicely. As long as we keep a cushion of a couple of games worth the points above the dotted line for the rest of the season, I think the vast majority will be happy, or he should be happy, as has been said, given the, 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 the league we're punching in now. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge pessimist, so I, we're doing better than I thought we were going to do, but definitely rather be in our position right now where we've got the attacking threat sorted out with scoring goals we just got to shore it up at the back and we've got to we've got to clamp down and we've got to find a way to be more resilient I'd rather be in that position than trying to work out where the hell the next goal's coming from um and we've been there in the past and it's a grim place to be so I'd certainly rather be working out how to keep them out than uh than how to score them for sure so all, all good from me yeah, and I think I don't normally get to give my opinion, but I think if I remember rightly, I either predicted 20th or 21st. So we're, we're doing pretty well, two places above that. So, yeah, I'll take that. The right side of the dotted line, come come what may, I'm happy. I don't know if anybody's got anything else to add, but if they haven't, I think we'll call that a night. Nice. We'll see how many of you have earned a full-time call-up uh, in the coming days but yeah no we'll definitely get you all on at some point Twitter spaces for the midweek games against Wednesday so be there for that but we've got an international break now haven't we fun um, cool cheers guys cheers thanks a lot cheers Aaron thanks Bye. guys bye that's the end of another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life before you go please make sure you drop us a review on whichever podcast platform you are using and make sure you follow us on Twitter at Argyle Life 1886. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.